You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Oh, I love doing life with these guys. We hung out at the state conference and it's such an honor. Thank you once again for the privilege you've given us to be a part of your journey and a part of this family. For the sake of time, I want to go quickly to Ezekiel chapter 37 and I'm going to read the first 10 verses. So if you've got your Bibles, devices, Ezekiel 37 and let's look at the first 10 verses. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. Just pause for a moment. Whenever you read that scripture, it's not a negative reflection of what's laying there in the valley. You see, those bones represent a group of people, metaphorically the church, that function well and strong, uh, with purpose and destiny and achieved significant things. But now they're in a place of rest. The valley represents a place of rest after hard work. Come on, somebody. And so God does not just want us to be restful. He wants us to be rested so that we can launch into the next season that he has for us. And so that's the picture. It tells us in verse 2, He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. Wow, what a powerful, powerful picture. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. You see, we don't just hear the sound of war. Come on, somebody. You see, we don't hear the sound of hopelessness and helplessness. We hear the sound of the moving of Holy Spirit on His church, local, national, and global in times such as this. I have a saying that I've had for many years. The church is like Noah's Ark. You heard of Noah's Ark? Yeah. Full of stinky animals, but it's the best thing afloat in these times of conflict. Come on. Now I'm not calling you a stinking animal, but just saying, all right. And so I prophesied as I commanded, and as I was prophesying, note, he hadn't finished prophesying. Are you listening? You know, he just stepped out in obedience and began to speak the prophetic word over People that had high potential. People that had accomplished significant things. And in this new season, the prophetic word is coming over them. And there is a shaking. There is a movement. There is a rattling noise that is happening, friend. How powerful. And, and it says in verse, uh, verse 8, I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them. And skin covered them. 
and there was no breath in them. That's all right because that's the second part of what the Lord is going to say to him. But there was a response. The bones responded to the prophetic word. Are you listening? So the bones would represent you and I. And there's a response to the prophetic word that's coming over the house, that's coming over you individually, your family, and collectively as a spiritual family. And if you look at a national and a global context, my friend, I believe in my heart that in these times that we're living in, with the conflict in, in, in the Middle East, the conflict, I mean, there's conflict all over the place. In these times that the prophetic word, the Lord is speaking to the global church. And as we respond to that prophetic voice of the Lord, the prophetic word of the Lord, I believe he's setting the church up. He's setting you and I up. He's setting Centro up. He's setting the church in this great south land of Holy Spirit. He's setting the global church up for one of the most significant moves of Holy Spirit that we have never ever seen in our lifetime. Come on. Because look, let me just not digress. This is a part of what I'm, I'm speaking about. Don't stress about what's happening in the Middle East. It's painful, it's hurtful, but guess what? Before you and I were born, literally, and placed on this planet, God knew that was going to happen. And so God's in control. All we have to do is pray and, and all that stuff. Verse 9, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Most of you would know that that English word breath in the Hebrew means ruah, Holy Spirit. And so basically he's saying, speak to Holy Spirit and ask Holy Spirit. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Again, just a moment, whenever you hear sovereign Lord, it simply means this, God is in complete control. That's what the sovereignty of God means. Whether you and I like it or not, whether we feel like it or not, He is sovereign and He will do whatever He has to do to accomplish one thing. You know what that one thing is? His redemptive plans for mankind. So God works beyond everything, through everything, through wars, through complacency, through whatever. He works to accomplish one thing. That one thing he sent Jesus to die on the cross of Calvary for. That one thing that Jesus rose from the dead and has ascended up to heaven and seated with his heavenly father together with you and I. The one thing that he gave us Holy Spirit for. The one thing that he placed the church on this planet for. And that's to accomplish his redemptive plans for humanity. And so he says, tell Ruah, tell the breath, tell the spirit that the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into this slain, slain that they may come alive. And so I prophesied and he, as he commanded and breath entered them, look at this, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, an exceedingly great army. <laughs> Woo! All right, let's go home. I mean, I'm going to Collingwood. Let's go have a cup of tea. I mean, just look at that. Just look at the picture that those 10 verses, the prophetic picture that, that those 10 verses give us for today. Look at verse 10. 
You see, that is what God is calling the church, not just to look like, but to be. Responding to the prophetic declaration over it, being filled with the fresh anointing and authority of Holy Spirit, not to be entertained or even to encounter him, but to be filled with the fresh anointing and authority to become an exceedingly great army prepared for mobilization, prepared for combat, prepared for a spiritual war, prepared to advance and expand the kingdom. That's the picture. I want to talk to you today about apostolic alignment for kingdom expansion. Apostolic alignment for kingdom expansion. Now, the picture you saw there, all the bones coming together, the tendons, the flesh, the skin, the spirit, is a picture of the church in apostolic alignment. Now, I know it sounds big words, but let me quickly explain that to you. And again, for the sake of time, I'm giving you a meta view, a helicopter view, and in the future, I'm going to unpack this for you. So when you talk about apostolic, it's not some big word. It comes from the Greek word apostolos, which simply means an ambassador. Someone that represents, in this context, represents Christ the King. Christ, the King of his kingdom that we are a part of. It's an envoy. Someone that is not speaking for themselves, but someone that speaks and acts on behalf of the king and the kingdom that they represent. Come on, somebody. And most importantly, literally, what the Aramaic term or the Greek term means is one that is sent or a sent one. Now you need to understand this. Why is it important to understand the apostolic calling on the church? Why? Let me give you some examples. So if you look at Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, the scripture tells us there, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, go. Whenever God gives us the command, go, it has to do with the apostolic intention that God has for the people. And in this context, the people represented the Hebrew nation because Abraham is the father of the Hebrew nation. And so this is the first time in scripture you will see God's apostolic calling in the Old Testament as he tapped Abraham on his shoulder and said, go. He didn't even give him the GPS, did he? He didn't give him the coordinates. He just said, go to the land, I will show you. And so he left. Here's another example. In John chapter 3, verse 17. We know verse 16, which is brilliant, but verse 17 is equally important. For God did not, what? Send. There's that word, apostolos. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Here's one more, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. And when the set time had fully come, God did what? He sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption 
to sonship. And so this word apostolos or apostolic is deeply rooted. Is deeply rooted in the redemptive plans of God. And so when you look at the church, the church is an apostolic church. Most of you may have heard of the Nicene Creed that was formulated in, in 315 BC and then fine-tuned in 381 BC, I think it was. And it speaks about the Holy Church, the one church, the Holy Church, the universal church, and the apostolic church. We are an apostolic church. And simply that word apostolic means we've been gathered together not to sing some cute songs and wait for the rapture bus. Come on. But we call for purpose. Ezekiel 37 verse 10 is a picture of a church that is ready. They are prepared. When you talk about alignment, let me explain that just to give you the context of where we're heading and then I'm going to land. If your spine is out of alignment, how many of you have problems with your back? I do. So if your spine is out of alignment, your range of motion becomes restricted and you will experience discomfort and pain. The, the inability to fully move your head, your neck, your back, and the pain associated with this condition is because your vertebrae that's in your spine is not in proper alignment. If it's not corrected, it'll cause severe issues that will affect your quality of life. Now that's the physical medical. Look at it in the spatial. A church that is not aligned with God's redemptive purposes and plans will be pretty painful to be a part of. Now let me tell you why. And I say this as kindly as I can. I promise you. No, I'm lying. Because we all come from places and spaces, life experiences that are painful, yeah? But when we come to the cross of Jesus, that pain doesn't simply disappear. We receive salvation, and with that we receive great grace. Come on, somebody. Great grace and strength and a family of amazing brothers and sisters, literally from every tongue, every tribe, every nation, that support us in those painful times, in those valley of the shadow of death kind of experiences. You see? Now, if we continue year one, year two, five, six, seven, 20 years after salvation to live in that pain. We choose to live in that pain, to carry the memory of what caused that pain, we become ineffective. And what I mean by ineffective is we cannot align apostolically with God's purpose. Just like the vertebrae, my friend. It's a beautiful picture. I mean, look, by the way, this is biblical. Paul uses the body in the book of Corinthians, 
in the book of Ephesians, Colossians, to give us spiritual truth. And this is the truth. Just like when the spine, the natural spine is out of alignment, when the church is out of apostolic alignment, there's a lot of pain, but no gain. Hello. Many years ago, when we left you know, Australia to go back to Sri Lanka for a season, we took over a very old Assemblies of God church. It was about maybe 67, almost 70 years old. Uh, it was birthed in revival, by the way, in 1932 by a guy called Harvard Carter. He was with the Elim Assemblies of God in, in England at that time, had experienced outpouring, and he went, and it was birthed in revival. So powerful outpourings of Holy Spirit. But when we took it on, there were about 15 people in church. I'm not talking about numbers. I'm trying to give you a story about apostolic alignment. And I remember, you know, uh, we, we called him the general superintendent at that time. We called him president today. He met us in, in Hawaii. We went to see Karen's mom and dad that lived there with our first child, their first grandchild. Uh, I met him there and he said, hey, I want you to come and work with me uh, at Bethany. And whenever you said Bethany, this particular Bethany, it rang alarm bells because no one, they knew the history of revival, but they didn't like what was going on currently. And so no one, I mean, I'm only 29 years old now, but I was much younger then. <laughs> and we were going back to plant a cutting edge apostolic center. I mean, I can't, couldn't, couldn't help because we were trained by David Cartledge uh, in Townsville, and he was in Townsville. And so if you know David, you hang around with him, you just absorb the apostolic, right? And so we're going to plant a new generation church. And we, long story short, we go there. The first Sunday was January 14th, 1990. As soon as I walked in, 15 people, half on this side of the church, the other on the other half. And I said, God, what am I doing here? I had a bad attitude. I'm not even sure what I preach. But I remember going back home and telling him, God, I'm giving you three months. If you don't, don't do something in three months, I'm getting out of here to my original plan to plant a cutting edge, new apostolic generation church. And I heard him say this to me. He said, just shut up and go fast and pray for 21 days. Now, I'm not sure about you. I don't like fasting. I do it because the Bible tells me it's good for me. Is that okay? Certain things you don't like, you do because it's good for you. And so I did. And while I was there, I got the revelation. Holy Spirit downloaded to me. I read the book of Acts in, in 21 days over and over and over and over again. Because I couldn't leave it. And he spoke to me about, you, if you want this church... To expand and grow in my call, my original intention for it, there needs to be apostolic alignment. And he led me to the scripture I just read to you. And I, I tried to match it. And again, for the sake of time, I'm not going to compare it with Acts chapter 2. But there's a brilliant uh, a, a picture, a comparison of what happened in Acts chapter 2 and the picture we have here. And so I said, Lord... What is this apostolic alignment? What do we need to do? I'm going to give you three. 
areas of apostolic alignment. So when we talk about apostolic alignment for kingdom expansion, here are the three things that I believe scripture tells us, shows us. The first one is relational alignment. Relational alignment. I mean, basically we're talking about Matthew 22, which Jesus called the great commandment. This is important because everything we do, my friend, as a church, is out of love for God and love for people. So Matthew 22 says, love the Lord your God with? In other words, with everything you got. Hold nothing back. Every single breath. Literally, serve God, love him with everything you got. And so it's talking about us as individual followers of Christ aligning ourselves in relationship with him. Aligning ourselves with his kingship. You see, it's, it's, it's easy calling him our healer, you know why? Because it's something that we receive from him. But when we call him our king, it is something of ourselves we give to him. We align our lives to him for the king's service, for the service of the kingdom, the apostolic, the apostolos. Look, the apostolic is not just one of the five, four ministry gifts, my friends. It's the nature of the church. And if it's the nature of the church, it is in your spiritual DNA. So aligning yourself in your relationship with God. And he said, love your neighbor as yourself. I know again, like I said with Noah's ark, you know, full of stinky animals, but it's the best thing afloat. You see, a church that is not in relational alignment with God and one another has no power. Again, for the sake of time, I'm going to say this and, and move on. This is very powerful to understand. Do you realize that both in Ezekiel 37, the first 10 verses, and the book of Acts chapter 2, if there was no relational alignment, there would be no anointing or authority. You see why? Because God works everything out of a love relationship he has with you and I and the world around us. So I'm not talking about some pseudo perfect, you know, lovey-dovey thing where we hold hands and run around the daisy bushes I'm, or whatever, you know, plant you like. I'm not talking about, you know, <laughs> that crazy stuff. I'm talking about reflecting daily what it looks like to come together, to be brought together by the love of Jesus, which is forgiving, which is gracious, which is, which is merciful, which does not, listen, love does not always try to win every battle, every argument. And so it's important that we are in alignment relationally with God, with one another. Here's a second one. Functional alignment. This is powerful. And we're speaking about Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Let me, let me read that for you. So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, the pastors and teachers for what? To equip his people 
for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Functional alignment. He's talking about structure. You see, when the fivefold ministry gift is operational and functional within the local body, the believers are equipped for the work of ministry. And that's that whole, whole, whole picture of being prepared. Being prepared to be mobilized, to be prepared and ready to be launched to take kingdom, to expand the kingdom, to take new territory. So the preaching of the word of God today and every single day in the past, in the present and the future is to equip you. Come on. Equip you for what? The works of ministry. What is the work of ministry? The expansion of the kingdom of God. And here's the last one. Missional alignment. So relational alignment, functional alignment, and the last one, missional alignment. Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20. Most of us would know that. Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. There's only one job. There's only one mission. There's only one agenda God has, my friend. There's only one thing God wants of the church. And that's to go make disciples of all nations. Everything we do on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Everything we do is for that one purpose. And so when we have these three components, if you like. The relational component. The functional component. The missional component in alignment. The church becomes an apostolic army. An apostolic church. Ready to take territory. I believe God's ready. I believe we are ready too. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 